All right, uh, let's just get right into it. No goofy intro. No, it's always soccer in Philadelphia, none of that stuff. Uh, I've got Russ here with me, uh, my crossing broad compatriot. Uh, win or loss, um, Russ, is, Russ was going to be here with me. Um, that sucked. That was probably the worst Philadelphia Union performance I've seen since the 2018 U.S. Open Cup final. Probably a top three worst loss of all time. I mean, they just didn't have the juice. Uh, they got out hustled. They got outworked. They got out outplayed. They looked rusty. Um, they looked like they were sniffing themselves a little bit. They looked a little petulant, you know, some kickouts and some leaving the, the boot in late and some childish behavior and stuff like that. It didn't look like them at all. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I, I, I will, I can say a million different things right now. I think I'm just disappointed I'm disappointed for them, you know, because they had such a good year. And and for it to end this way, uh, not even score a goal when you had big expectations. You had a two-week layoff, and uh, people thought you could make a legit cup run. I just think it uh, it tarnishes what otherwise was a great season. And so I'm disappointed for them that it, uh, that it ended this way, but they've got nobody to blame but themselves. So the floor is yours, Russ. Well, you know, you, you asked me uh, to come on the show, and I said I was going to drink a coffee. And uh, I'm holding it in my hand. And my biggest takeaway from that game is I drank coffee for this. So the, I think the, the one thing that I can say is this is the most disappointing effort from a Philadelphia team since Sunday uh, when the Eagles got manhandled. It's the, it's the worst postseason performance since Game 7 of Flyers-Islanders. And actually, there are a lot of parallels to draw between the two. But the team just – I mean – God, I tried to forget about that one. Yeah. I the the team just never looked in it, and and it really that I think is the thing that is the most in line with with I think what like any Flyers fan saw from them in the postseason, especially when the game started to matter. It's no coincidence that the top two seeds in the Eastern Conference fall after not having to play as recently, and you start to kind of wonder about just how much of an impact that can have. Um, this was never a close game. It, I, I didn't feel quite as defeatist, like 10 minutes or so left in the first half. I thought, you know, you get one back here, you go into half and it's going to potentially prevent the, the bunkering that Bruce arena would likely employ in a, in a second half of the two goal lead. And I think I said to you before this game, I definitely said to some other people ahead of it. My biggest fear going into this was it was going to be, you know, a nil-nil draw. It gets to extra time and it gets to a shootout because Bruce Arena just decides to park the bus and gum up the uh, the union's counterattack, gum them up and, and almost make them play that. If you want to make a comparison, uh, a half-court set, this union team was always more of a Ben Simmons. They're good in the open field and they're not they're not that great when they have to you know, try to create know, something in a, in a more static set. Their best opportunity of the game is what a, a second half set piece where, I mean, to Jim, where, where Shabelka hits, hits the yeah, ball right to, at the goal. To kid, Jim's credit. He's got what Glesness. I think Elliot was in at that point, Shabilko, And then I think they had McKenzie on the far post, but that's the best effort. I mean, Wait, we, you're not going to give, you're not going to give Jim credit for the, the double switch with uh, Jack Elliott and Corey Burke after he had taken his D mid out 15 minutes prior and they were boss in the game. And then he puts another D mid back in 
for whatever the fuck reason that well, was. I, I, <laughs> I wanted to get to that. I'm just saying what that in that in that case, that set piece, that? I mean, you've got a bunch of big targets. And so like conceptually, if that's what you were going to go for, all right, like I guess we saw why it was there. But well, yeah, Shibuka gets a free header. He hits his right, right at the goalkeeper. Then Adam Buxa, who I went on Twitter and called a stiff the other day, gets a free header and he scores his goal. So now I look like a dipshit. Yep. Um, I said the union were going to win. I look like a dipshit. I, yep. I assuaged somebody who was concerned that I jinxed the team. And so I look like a dipshit times three. Um, and then five minutes into the game, I said Wagner and Brujo looked good and they came to play. So I look like a, di- a dipshit for the fourth time. Yeah. Um, and then I, you could either say that I'm a dipshit or not because I hedged uh, with the revs and at least won some money on the game. So I don't know if that's sacrilegious or not. Some people get real offended when you bet against quote unquote your team, even though they're not really like my team. Like I just have the podcast about the team, but like some fans are like, well, you never fucking bet against your team. Well, I did just to cover my ass in case I look like a dope on Twitter, which I did. Um, but dude, they just like the, the midfield guy, like totally boss. They were slow, man. They were just second to everything. Like, Glasnes had a couple of miscommunications. Jamiro missed that shot early where Brendan Aronson hit the cross into him. It was sort of bouncing, but still, you can't rocket that over the goal from like five yards out. Um, Jamiro so looked off. Martin- he looked off, uh, yes. Martinez was just – I mean – He didn't get much help either, man. I he, mean, like he, he's, he's, he's running it. around like a chicken with his head cut off, you know? No, I mean, he was involved in a lot of play, and, you know, it was that kind of reckless kind of thing that we saw, I think, early – uh, before the MLS's back tournament in the first couple of games back in March, where you're kind of like, all right, if this guy can keep his head on, he's the perfect kind of player. He's the perfect kind of physical presence that this team needs. He's got some moxie to him that's good. Um, but I think what we saw in that first half was a guy that Jim Curtin just ultimately felt was, I, I guess, potentially going to cost them the game if he lost it and got himself tossed. But uh, not a great performance out of him. He was involved. I, I'd kind of compare the game that he had to the one that Brendan Aronson had. Brendan Aronson was kind of doing that thing where he's all over the field. He's kind of playing that positionless kind of, I, I don't know, quasi-10 role. But, I, he, like, what was the impact? I mean, I, I think, like, if, if you look at this from a macro perspective, and somebody actually on Twitter, I think, sent this to both of us, but, like, do you think that, that Red Bull Leipzig at this point is having buyer's remorse because this isn't the only game that Brendan Aronson didn't have much, if any impact on the outcome. This happened uh, a few times since the, uh, the official transfer went through. And I'm not saying that the kid isn't good. I'm not saying that he wasn't deserving of that transfer fee, but it felt like once it went from being a good story in the local market and became more of a national story of being <laughs> yeah. the guy who, you know, the success the story, the kid, the hype, breaks, the hype train, you know, breaks the transfer yeah. record. Then all of a sudden when the, when the spotlight's on you, but it's a great, it's a great you know. story that has a, has a, you know, a finite endpoint. Cause I mean, like I, sure. I was, I was on Twitter last week saying that he's not best 11. He's not even yeah. close to be an MLS best. So this is the same shit that union fans got all bent out of shape or, or like not bent out of shape, but like we rightfully poo pooed for years when like they slurped Deandre Yedlin into oblivion when he wasn't even better than Shane and Williams in 2013, because he was like the hot young new 
player of the future, right? And it's like Brendan Aronson, MLS best 11. What the fuck are you smoking? Yeah. Like he's a good player. He's a really good young player and he's got a future. But like that was all just hype because it's like, well, we the union are doing it the right way and they sold him to uh, Salzburg and all that stuff. So we're going to put him on the MLS best 11. Like motherfucker, what? You got to be kidding me with that one. Um, but they they all just got completely outplayed. I, I don't want to like I'm sort of all over the over, all over the place right now. I don't have a rundown. I wrote down some notes. Um, but dude, what do, the more there, wait, hold on a second. There's sometimes when I there's do a, a show. I mean, there's like there's like a couple of quasi notes that we run off of. It's no, okay. but you know what the rundown is. Whenever you and I do a show, I write down a rundown and I never use it, but I just kind of remember it in my head and like reference it as we're going along. So I'm holding the piece of paper in my hand, but I don't I don't really I look at it like maybe once or twice. Well, but since dude, we talked dude, about listen, it, no, listen. Listen, listen, listen. No, seriously, like now that I'm thinking about it, because I just said this on Twitter at the end of the game, I was like, because I thought it was a top five, top three worst union loss of all time. Now that I've like had 20 minutes to sit here and think about it, that was was by far the worst union loss of all time. The worst performance in a big moment when, when something was expected of you. Like I know in the 2018 Open Cup final, there was a trophy on the line and they played like dog shit. Um the 2014 Open Cup final, the 2015 Open Cup final, they played relatively well, and they and they mm-hmm. punched above their weight. I think in those 2018 U.S. Open Cup final, trophy on the line, they looked like dog shit. This game, there was a lot expected of them, and they didn't even show up, and they got totally blown off the field. I mean, it's like a 1A and a 1B for me. I mean, the 2011 playoffs, too, with the Stefani Migliorazzi playing sweeper still haunts me to this day. I mean, that might be number three, but – I mean, man, I, I just hope it doesn't get to a point where we're looking. I, I know we're all kind of like just instant reaction doing the like we're pissed off kind of Philadelphia thing. But I, I hope it doesn't tarnish the shield because I think people who are looking for I think people who are looking for a reason to like like shit on the shield and say that it doesn't mean anything or make the asterisk look bigger would say, well, look at what they ended up doing in the playoffs. They went out in the first round without scoring a freaking goal. But I, I don't – I mean, everybody knows that it, it, it is what it is. It was such a unique year. I don't think it takes away from their shield achievement. I just think the playoffs are, like, funky, man. I don't, I don't know. MLS well, playoffs they, are so weird. You get these teams that have to sit sit out for two weeks, and then they get an international break. And then you got these other teams that are fresh, and they got Gustavo Bo and Carlos Gill, you know, rounded into form and healthy again. It's like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I can't say if they were sniffing themselves or not or if they got too cocky or overconfident. But, I mean, it could, it could be a little bit of everything. Well, the international break to me, I think, is the thing that always kills it. It's and, ridiculous. And, and yeah. Like, it's it's absolutely insane. And, like, you know, they, they talked about it off the top that, what was it, Jamiro? Who else had to get chartered back in? It's like, you know, it's great. Anytime you can get a call-up to your national team, it's wonderful. It's lovely. Fantastic. But, like, let's not lose sight of, of what's most important, at least for your club. The international call-ups aren't that. The thing that you need is for your team to be cohesive and to be ready. And this team wasn't ready. And like, you know, Jim Curtin, I think was a deserving coach of the year. I think that putting together the two best seasons in in club history over the last two years, showing that last year wasn't a fluke. Like I thought he was deserving, but there were some decisions that happened in this game. And the fact that the team didn't come out looking like they were ready. The team came out looking rusty. The team came out looking like, it took them what thirty-five minutes or so to even maybe find their footing. And this is like, why I said and, that this team way, is different because just, they and, came, they just came off that Columbus, that Columbus loss with the shield on the line, and they played really yeah. well against New England. So what? Where the fuck was that team? Well, and and to be clear, like I'm not saying that that's all on coaching, right? Like there has to be that intrinsic motivation if you're a professional to to go out and and not look lackadaisical. 
but like the team didn't have it. Um, I don't know how much of it you put on, on coaching going into this one. I do think, and like, we need to talk about this, the decisions, the substitution decisions in this game are, uh, this is not institutional arrogance. I don't know what the hell it was because. <laughs> do you like me shouting you out twice with that? Into, I love that. Into, I love that. Um, I, I'm not going to say that Ilsenio is the union's Jason Peters because Ilsenio actually still does some stuff okay. But like Ilsenio to me is a guy who comes in for 15 minutes at the end of a game, 20 max. You don't sub him on for an entire half because Ilsenio is a one trick pony. We all know what it is and it's pretty easy to game plan against. Now, did he find success? In busting things open on the right flank, yeah, he did from time to time. I mean that that but opening. We, but, we all, but we all know what that is. So to me, like the move at half, if you were going to take out Martinez, which you know some will agree with and some won't, I think Fontana has to be the sub in at that point. Fontana is a more dynamic player. Fontana gives you not only the versatility of being able to to maintain possession in that spot. He's got a better shot from distance. He's got an overall, I think, just higher motor uh, is a guy who can bust it. If, if you're going to continue to play this like almost positionless Brendan Aronson role, then having Fontana out there is not a bad thing. I don't understand that move. And then bringing Jack Elliott in, uh, as much as I like Jack Elliott, and I know that they liked trying to play him uh, in a way to invert that diamond, like I can't wrap my head around it. And it almost felt like when... Brendan Aronson was subbed off. Again, I don't think he made a huge impact in this game, so I, I don't necessarily disagree with taking him off. That's a business move. That's a, we can't afford to have him get hurt. You're going with the, with the Phil Kaidel. They need to get him off the field take. Yeah, I mean, there could be. I, I think you kind of buried the lead a little bit. Like, if you're going to take your D-mid off and you're going to put Montero back there and play with a fake D-mid because you want to push forward and you want to get possession guys on the field and you want to try to gr- grab the game and get a hold of the game, when your possession in intervals had increased through those first 15 minutes, I don't know why you put it. Why did you put a D mid back on? Like, I, I don't, I, I don't understand really what was going through his head there. It's like, you wanted to push the pace and get yourself back in the game. And now you're going to go back to kind of what you just were doing. That wasn't working. Like there's no reason for Jack Elliott to be in that game. Like if Bruja wasn't the guy, fine. And you take him off and you put either Bedoya or Montero back there and you do number six by committee and just sort of fucking fake it with like a fake six and get more offensive guys on the field because it's a high stakes playoff game and whatever and ask your center backs to put out fires and they'll do that. That happens. It's like when you go to three, five, two, you know, but I thought if you were going to do that, then give me Fontana earlier. Shabilka wasn't doing jack shit in this game. He didn't have a great season, honestly. No. I just don't understand. I, I like it's like Jim, unless I'm like, unless there's some, move obvious mover obvious tactic that i've like missed when i was watching i'm like why are you going back to what you just came from that doesn't make any sense speaking of going back well, the, the somebody sent thing, real quick real quick yeah somebody sent me Derek jones reaction on twitter it's just two laughing faces laughing emojis like making fun of his former team um Derek jones by the way who had the shittiest attitude and shittiest work ethic of all time uh tons and tons of talent didn't have his head on the street um, who came from Junior Lone Star, who I have nothing good to say about, have had multiple negative experiences with Junior Lone Star. Um, for Derek Jones to put a bunch of laughing emojis on there um, is just is par for, for the course for that crock of horse shit where he came from. All right, anyway, um, you can continue your thought. 
I was just going to say, the only reason I think you bring Elliot in is for the thing that I said kind of off the top, which is late game set pieces. You just want to have that big target. And like that, other than that, there isn't much of a reason. But again, like, can, uh, yeah, you, expl- can you explain the, Ilse- the Ilsenio for an entire half thing? Because yeah, that's they just like, needed, well, they, I know it's just a high stakes playoff game. They needed something. I mean, I guess that was their spark. And so it's like, well, we're going to throw caution to the wind and we're going to go unbalanced here and, and take a D mid off for an offensive guy and whatever the formation looks like, who cares? I think in these kinds of situations, you just kind of throw the formation to the wind and just say, let's get our best attacking players on the field. And it seemed like they were moving forward with that, but he could, Jim could have went back to the more stable lineup if they had gotten a goal, you know, if you keep, if you keep that formation for another five to 10 minutes and you get a goal and it's like two to one in the 70th minute or the 75th minute, and you feel like you're, the game's getting a little too stretched, you could try to stabilize it a little bit and then look for an equalizer in the the final 15. But I don't know. I mean, I I guess I should have listened to the press conference before we did this, but we both have, have kids. We're we're tired or whatever. Um, Let me just go through, man. I'm awake. I'm awake. You are. are. Well, let me just go through. Okay. So let me go through the first goal first. Mark McKenzie just gets completely lost, completely lost. I mean, Adam Buxa, who is indeed a stiff, I'm not going to give him any credit. Like, you get a free header and you get lost, whatever. It was a nice run. You know, all he did was wrap himself around two guys. It's like a basketball screen. It's like you're running off double staggers. Mark McKenzie sees it and he goes underneath. But if you're going to go under, same, same in basketball, if you're going to go under the screens, you got to fight through before the ball is played because then you're mo- the, the guy that you're marking is coming downhill and you can't get through the traffic. So he's got to show more urgency in fighting through that screen and picking up his guy and gluing to him before the, the before the dead ball is played. The second uh, goal pisses me off more because it's like Kai Wagner. Okay, he half asses the tackle. He whiffs on it. He tries to do a standing tackle. Like the technique was all wrong. Whatever the effort was there. The effort was fine. He wasn't dogging it. Okay, it wasn't a lack of hustle. What happened is the ball, there was a throw in on the side. Nobody challenged Buxa. That ball got knocked into the air. Teal Bunbury just kind of hooks a ball into Gustavo Bow. Mark McKenzie's not close enough to him. And then Carlos Gill's running right. You know, you got three guys who are out of position in Glesnes, Montero, and Martinez. And then you got Kai Wagner, you know, who has to account for two dudes. So he steps up on Gill. He plays the ball wide to Buchanan. Wagner busts his ass to get over there and then he whiffs in the tackle. But again, there's like two or three little individual things that are just like lack of urgency that they don't show you when you look at these goal replays because people are too lazy to, to edit the clip 10 seconds or 15 seconds longer. People don't want to know what happened in the buildup to a goal. And then they just blame it all on one dude. And while Wagner didn't cover himself in glory there and it was a shitty challenge, like they shouldn't have been in that spot in the first place. Okay, you shouldn't have gotten overloaded like that off a throw-in. Off a throw-in. You don't get... You don't get overloaded and, and and find yourself unbalanced off a throw and it's just poor. It's totally poor. So um yeah that was that was my beef with that. I don't know. There was another ball that I thought Sergio had, could have pounced on for a turnover and seemed to read the angle wrong. There's another one where Jameer Montero had a had a perfect cutback that he could have just banged into the goal, but he took the wrong he he didn't have the right angle to begin with. And then he took a ball off of Ray Gaddis who had a shot lined up. I don't give a fuck if it's Ray Gaddis, Oliver Kahn, um, Raiz Boli, Zinedine Zidane, Rush Joy, Phil Kaida. I don't care who the fuck is lining up to hit that shot. Le- leave the ball. Leave the ball. The guy is coming straight at it. He's got momentum. He's facing the goal. Don't take it off a guy who's facing the goal and coming downhill. You're going sideways. Your momentum is carrying you away from the goal. Let him take the shot or play the ball to the left and stay facing forward. You know, you're taking the ball laterally for no reason. Like, Jameer was just driving me crazy with that. He reaches out. He kicks up at a guy, and he misses. Ilsenio leaves a foot in. He kicks a guy late. 
Shabilko leaves a foot in and kicks the guy late, then what the hell is he doing over on the rev sideline, like arguing with somebody on the sideline? You're on a yellow card, dude. Get off. Get out of there. Like, it just did not – it didn't look like them. And I think that's what's, what pisses me off more than anything. Like, if you're going to lose, you're going to lose. Fine. And if you don't have it, you give credit to the revs. They really came to play and you, you give props where it's due. That's the Ray Gaddis rule that we exhibit on this podcast. But I think the thing that pissed me off the most is that they just look childish at times. They looked petulant at times. And I hate it because this team was so mature, so composed this year. They bought in, they really believed in themselves. They fought through COVID and all that adversity. So for them to, to, you know, to go out like this, I, I think that's the crappiest thing for them to go out in this kind of fashion, looking, looking a little childish in addition to, um, to not playing that well. You know, I think this was a, a perfect storm of things that just kind of went poorly. And I think uh, guys just not having their eyes on the prize. Um, I'm, I'm just reading right now, as you were talking, I found the, um, the interview that um, Kai Wagner did recently with, um, with Kicker from Germany. So I'm reading his quote because, of course, as we tend to know, things get lost in translation. But Wagner's whole thing, I, I'm assuming that you saw this and people listening to this probably saw MLSsoccer.com aggregated this about Wagner saying that at some point he wants to go back to, uh, to Europe and that he believes that he had made himself or he had made a mark in MLS and, and that should lead to him going back to Europe, uh, either the Bundesliga, the, the, the Prem or uh, La Liga. And it seemed to be like a focus of his. And I wonder if that second goal is not a good look for him. I, I kind of wonder if, again, like there's just this idea of something else is at play outside of the game and guys just weren't as focused. I think that layoff really hurt them and you start to kind of entertain what could be coming next and you start to look past the team that you've beaten four times. And then all of a sudden you just kind of get your teeth, you know, kicked in to start and you're just never, never able to, to recover. Wagner in this one, I thought, was um, not necessarily up to snuff compared to what he usually is. Uh, the effort was still there. There were some decent uh, long balls that, that he served into Santos, but even Santos didn't look like himself in this one. It was just weird. Like, nothing fa- didn't, have you seen a more disjointed effort from top to bottom? from this squad all year no dude it looked like it looked like eagles tampa 2002 or 2003 right where you just kind of fighting this uphill battle and just nothing is working and nothing's coming off it reminded me i hate to say it, it reminded me of west virginia versus pittsburgh 13 oh yeah when we game lo- game everybody remembers no seriously yeah. like i i i don't reference it because like most people don't know what the fuck i'm talking about but we had a chance to beat Pitt and go to the national title game and like fucking nothing was working dude we only yeah. scored seven points like it just seemed like everything that the eagles tried was like I don't know, man, like, like, or, or the union, I'm sorry. Well, and the Eagles in that game too, but it just seemed like everything was stacked up against you. The other team was having a fucking burner, you know, Joe Juravicious is running down the, the sidelines, you know, and it was just that sort of combination of like, you know, I don't maybe pressure on your shoulders, you know, maybe, maybe they just turned off and said, we won our trophy and we think that's good. And, you know, they just didn't show up the way that they normally show up, but um, you know, the expectations were there. And they just didn't live up to him, you know. Again, it's team, I'm, I'm, well, it's a team that historically has no expectations. So, you know, it's know. you know, and and but was there not pressure? Was there? Let me ask you this: Was there not pressure on their shoulders after the Columbus loss to come back and beat the same New England team at home to win the first trophy in franchise history? 
Yes and no, because I think the way that Toronto was trending, you knew that you didn't necessarily have to win the game in order to win the supporters shield. And you had, and and again, you had already beaten the team three times going into that one. So like, I, I think if, if anything, you felt pretty confident, all things considered. And you knew that that Columbus game was kind of like an anomaly, right? Like it was a, it was at worst a bump in the road. And when you were going to come home in a situation where you hadn't lost at home all season, and again, you'd beaten that team three times. Like now I, I don't think the pressure to win the supporter shield is anything remotely close to what the pressure is to win a postseason game. When you come in as the top seed in the entire, uh, in the entire league. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Um, but I don't know how much of this, here's the thing though. Again, like I don't know how much of this is the pressure to win this big playoff game and really how much of it is the layoff. And again, like, you know why this one doesn't hurt as much? Like maybe I'm crazy, but like, and maybe it's cause I've like gone down and covered a few games and like, it's just me becoming a, uh, an emotionless shell. I'm a husk like Anthony Sanfilippo, uh, who told me very early on in covering the flyers, like you're not allowed to, to care or root for or against. And like, yeah, have emotions yeah, right yeah. like maybe it's that uh and i'm i'm a far cry from like the early 20s guy who would go get drunk with his friends and you know scream at the sons of ben capos for doing a terrible job like they did tonight um and so uh oh i had to get that one can i just say there's nobody the there only thing, you, you, the only thing listen, the stay. only thing that was more disappointing than the union's performance was once again giving the megaphone to whoever they gave it to in this one it would you need somebody who oh, at least wait. can carry it t- who could carry a tune i mean it's really hard to get into it when I'm you're not, I'm not. <laughs> and, there's and, enough and wait, wait 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 there's enough to there's enough to be negative about after a loss like this listen, I, don't, man, I, don't, I don't need when it sounds like a horse is dying in the river end like i don't blame the union for playing like garbage man like it just sat yeah, it's they just look like they shit from the jump they look like shit from the jump what do you what do you want them to cheer about like you heard the boot that booze came through loud and clear in the stadium that's why you're a supporters club, Kevin. Oh, man. You got to support them through the best and the worst. Let me look at my other notes here and see if there was anything else that was worth. Um... Hey, I, you know what? Here, here's one thing. Yeah. This is very, so this is Brendan Aronson's last game. Yeah, that's probably, it. Probably Kai Wagner's last game. Nope. Potentially Mark McKenzie's last game. I hope in, so in, for the in, fact the, that he, in theory, he should be playing somewhere else. Yeah. In theory, Sergio Santos's name and Casper Shabilko's name has been brought up. If you had to pick one of those guys to come back, because that's a lot of losses. Like if I, I know that there are financial resources coming in because of the Aronson transfer, but of those names, Wagner, Aronson, McKenzie, Shabilko, Santos. If you could retain one of those guys for next year, Aronson's already gone, so we can take him off the board. So of the other four, Who's the one guy that you bring back? You can only have one. Mark Who's McKen one? Mark McKenzie by far. I mean, you know he's like my 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 guy, even though he disappointed tonight. But I mean, he's got he, I, for his sake and for his development, like he's done all he can do here. I would love to see him go elsewhere. Um, I think Shabelko, you got to move on from. He just didn't really have a great. You you still need a striker who's gonna. You see in games like this one tonight too, where you're down two nothing. Like they're kind of like the Baltimore Ravens in a way, where you know they're not really built to play from behind. Yeah, really. You know they because because who are you going to? Like Lamar Jackson ain't running it a bunch when they're behind. You know he or he's not. I mean he's not throwing you throwing you back into the game, right? He, he can't run it. 
and the unions like who, who do you got El Seno, you know, but otherwise who's your like star? This see, this is a thing where it's like where you really where you could really use that like five million dollar guy. You know, just to give you like fucking something when nothing's working, you know, when that team game's not there and when guys are just off and it's and it's not it's not working, but that again is I why know, I don't get the, that's why again, like uh, the guy, I know that you keep saying El Senior, but the guy to me there is Fontana. Like that's, well, I mean, if, based if, on the way could, he was I playing, could, I mean, if I could yeah. flop, if I could flop those two subs, I think that El Senior for 15, I'd rather over 45 and have Fontana for that 45. That, that to me, I think is the one move that like looking back on it, if you were going to really try to mix things up, and like if you're Jim and, and you feel like you can't trust Martinez in that spot, you have to make that move in the first half. You know? Yeah, I just and, don't, and try to try to flip the game on its head in the thirty fifth or something. Now maybe you worry that you lose the player. Maybe you feel like it looks like a panic move because it's not traditionally something that you've done. But you know, if you start to feel it's slipping away, which is what it felt like it was doing early in the game, sometimes you have to be ballsy and you have would to make have, that kind um, of move. You would have subbed in Anthony Fontaner. Fontaner. <laughs> oh, Kevin, you know, I would, I have, by the way, I do have a, a few words that end in the letter A because nothing will piss off Philadelphia Union fans quite as much as having a listen. I was thinking we should, should we do it for comic relief to give everybody um, just to lighten, lighten the mood a little bit or would they hate, hate us even more? Would they be even more uh, depressed? There's like, there's some guy who's pissed off when they see that like my name's on the Chiron anyway. And they're probably like that. Ass- that's yeah, he's got to come on. They're going to do that letters that end in or words that end in a well. To, okay. So to be fair, let's just, let's just do a really quick one. All right. Just a couple. All right. Um, She's a, a a London born singer, um, but she has an she's of Albanian descent. Uh, she just performed on the um, on the American Music Awards. She won a bunch of Grammys. That's not helpful. Oh my God! Uh, she is Dua Leaper. Oh, Leaper, Doer, Doer. I hardly know her. <laughs> Doer Leaper, Doer Leaper, Dua Leaper. Um, Okay, this that's a is, double A. Like that's a double A. Doer Leaper. Yeah, that is. It's like uh, what was the one that we were laughing like oh, little idiots? On this the first is one? this is the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> I can't. I can't even get it out. I'm like delirious after such a like shitty uh, loss, and I'm I'm tired and like I'm stressed about hosting Thanksgiving. Tour Tago by lower. It's <laughs> <laughs> everything I hope it would be. All right, the other ones I don't have that I wrote down are, don't come close to that. So we'll end the segment right there. That was words that end uh, in the letter A. So oh, I, I a Thanksgiving themed one. That you even oh, okay, go ahead. Did you write down another one? The thing, this is a thing that you could see on a Thanksgiving table. At least it's something that kids learn about in kindergarten, as my son did uh, the last couple of days. Something that is synonymous with Thanksgiving. Usually put fruits and vegetables in this. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a, well, it's a good Black Sabbath song as well. It's a cornucopier. There we go. <laughs> All, right, now All right, so look, I, I don't know. Like, I'm all over the place, obviously. I, I, I don't, I, I think what I'm, what I'm most, um, to use a Brett Brown term, what interests me the most um, or what keeps me up at night, I just I just wonder like looking a week, two weeks, three weeks, four months, five months down the road, like I, I wonder what the playoff loss is going to do to the shield 
um, to the glow of the, the, the shield, the light refracting off of the shield. Um, and I'm, I don't know if people are going to say, well, look, this team was whatever, you know, because they got it done in the regular season, but they couldn't get it done in the playoffs. And they lost to the team in the playoffs that they got f- like 15 friggin' points from to win the shield. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, you could craft that narrative if you want. I would say my knee-jerk reaction is that it is what it is because of the funkiness of the season. I don't think – I think you can be – I think more than one thing can be true at the same time. I think you can be disappointed with the playoff loss while at the same time saying they had a great regular season and they overcome a lot of adversity to win a trophy that they deservingly should have won. So I think you can probably feel both of those things at the same time. I guess, you know, I guess they don't have to be uh, mutually exclusive, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, like I said to you before, I think the thing that maybe takes the sting out of it is there was so much time between the Supporter Shield victory and this one that it almost to me feels like a, a totally separate, like a different thing. Entirely. Yeah, it's yeah. it's just like it, the juice wasn't there. Like even even as somebody watching the game, the juice wasn't there. You know, it yeah. almost it, it it almost just felt like an open cup game. I know that might sound awful. And like, I'm sure that there are people who like were living and dying with every, every moment in this one. But like, for whatever reason, it just that international break, uh, just it did not help. It it's and like you, you know squeezed what? Like, all the squeezed all the juice out of the orange, and then and, you, you yeah, there's nothing left. Yeah. And here's part of the other problem. Okay, so when the Flyers got knocked out of the postseason, it was a bummer because there was nothing else going on in Philadelphia at the time. Right, Sixers mm-hmm. were garbage. Phillies were garbage. Eagles were getting ready and they had an opportunity to bring in the casual fan and, and to really like grab some kind of a, a market share of the, the casual sports fan or any Philadelphian who was looking for something to, to get their mind off of COVID. Right. The union had that opportunity. The Eagles put up a stinker on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, the Sixers have taken headlines just because they have a competent front office. Now flyers haven't done anything and the NHL as a whole hasn't done anything. The, like the Phillies still don't have a GM because I don't know if you knew this or not, Kevin, but it's really hard to hire an executive in the midst of a pandemic. It's just impossible. Even well, I'm, I'm just a normal dipshit and I moved yeah. my entire family during the pandemic. Yeah. But you're not a GM, Kevin. It's out of a, a hot, harder. out of a hot spot. So. It's, it's a lot harder, but the union actually had an ability here to, uh, I'm not saying to, to take any kind of real, uh, talk of the town to become like the 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 back page of the daily news kind of team. I'm not saying that there were going to be segments let off by your best friend Mike Missinelli talking about this team, but like you did have an opportunity to be the good act in town and to try to get people on board. Yeah. Well, can and I like, can I say that's, along that's just, that's just squandered? You know, like it's that's a bummer. Well, along those lines, I had. Uh... <laughs> I had a little um, soccer hater, uh, mainstream media rat. Um, I like this person, but there are, there are a little rat slide into my DMs after the game and make a snide, um, snide remark about soccer. So no, the haters, yeah, the haters are lining up. That's why it's like it's such a fra- it's such fragile footing. You know, it's like you win the shield, you get people like semi excited, or you say you, you force them to at least be annoyed that they have to care, and then you put up a shit sandwich like you do in this game. So that'll probably be the title of the episode: shit sandwich in honor of Spinal Tap. 
um, who they uh, you're probably too young to remember the movie. Didn't but you the, use that as the headline of a uh, of an Eagles ten takeaways piece like two weeks ago? I don't think you can do that. Again. No, there was a reference to it. I don't think oh, okay. I would put shit in the headline. Do we? Oh, put that's a good point. curse words in the headlines. It sometimes I don't I know. Think I'm going I'm going to go back and look for this. Anyway. Look at the Crossing Broad style guide. See if it's see if it's written in there. Um, no, I made a shit sandwich reference because uh, they did an album called Shark Sandwich, and it was so bad that they just got a two word review and it said shit mm. sandwich on it. So, mm. so we'll call this podcast um shit sandwich i may have been harsh on Derek jones and philly lone star but i don't care like i don't i don't like that organization um and maybe i'll elaborate on it late on another podcast um but you know it, it, it whatever it is what it is and then i told the new england revolution on twitter nobody cares i i don't like the revs because they're one of their people ratted me out well not ratted me out when i got in trouble with the union and they were pissed off at me because one of their one of the New England Revolution executives called um, the Philadelphia Union front office and complained that I ripped Bob Kraft on Twitter for being a shitty owner, uh, which he absolutely is. And then, funny, oddly enough, the funny thing, Hack was the coach at the time, and he was asking, he's like, "What happened with Kincaid in the front office?" And they told him what the story was, and Hack said, "Oh, so he was telling the truth about New England." <laughs> Because Bob Kraft is a shitty absentee owner. No, there's, there is, I spot no lie. Um, so I don't really like the Revs because I think they have a bunch of like uh, smarmy like uh, rats in their front so office. Man, you could have so, made that all better. All you had to do was massage his ego. Yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot of ego going back and forth. Yes, massage the ego. Very there it good. is. There um, is. Okay, so this has been a shit sandwich. It's always soccer in Philadelphia. Russ, I mean, I'll give you the final word if you want it. Bruce Arena sucks. The slurping that the media does for him is disgusting. The amount of times that my TV was filled up with his 10-month pregnant body is more than I ever oh, needed to see. That's personal. Is that personal? Is it? I don't know if it is. Listen, this guy is treated like he is the second coming of Christ, but for soccer. And the last time I checked, he <laughs> oversaw some of the biggest international collapses I've ever seen. Uh, I just can't. I can't. And lost in all of this, lost in all of this over-the-top insanity that I had to deal with on my TV, constantly cutting to him and, oh, oh, oh boy, Bruce Arena, that's a live mic moment on the telecast, is you guys realize that his team lost to the Union four times this season, right? Like, this was the one win. You realize that as you're touting what a great tactical mind he is, his team got their asses kicked by this team four times already yeah, this I mean, season. It's like even a blind, like we get that a, right. Even a blind like, squirrel. That's finds that's a thing, even, yeah. right? Like we we can all acknowledge that, right? Yeah. So I just I can't, I can't, I can't with him, and I can't with. By the way, um, I don't want to say that Alejandro Moreno uh, needs to apologize to Philadelphia, but he fell into the Keith Jones and um, uh, 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 what's his nuts, Brian Boucher kind of trap mm-hmm. of oh I'm, I'm i'm technically affiliated in some way with the philadelphia team so i need to go over the top to distance myself and almost boost up the other team too much the pregame wow. show was just all about the revs and in fairness they ended up winning the game so espn looks kind of prescient in this but ah, i thought ali ah. moreno just seemed like he would rather be anywhere else other than calling that game, <laughs> that game. he's just like so 
<laughs> like, dude, it's a playoff game. Like, can you at least like act like you're excited? Like, I know you really don't give a shit and you're just collecting a paycheck. But like, you're also what, calling what, it from a studio. I know, I know, I know. You know. can't get juice for that when you call it from a studio. But I mean, he's just he's calling it like it's like week week three, like you know, Nashville versus like Miami or something. Like, dude, can you just like show a little bit? Can, can we get like a then again? That's a color commentator who shows like a little bit of emotion and like seems interested in doing their job because there's so many people who would love to have that job who would do a great job with it so so what you're saying is you want to see tommy smith on the call next year for the postseason (sighs) by the way you know i was just he won't he will not be returning next year i can that i can confirm phil shane and uh and ray hudson do it week in and week out and they uh they get the juice for it so i know we every after seeing ray hudson they're hearing him call a game everything else just seems shitty in comparison it's almost like we're spoiled and and like ruined in that way if you know what i mean it's a cross between a stratovarius and a rapier all right, right, so this was the most like negative and cynical podcast we've done in a while, but I think it's justified. You know, I just spent two, the one I did with Ralph two weeks ago. I was like effusive in praise for the union, so I think we like we deservingly can just like you know do the shit sandwich episode, right? So all right, it's just an off the cuff. Uh, it's always soccer in Philadelphia episode. It's always soccer uh, in Philadelphia, even when the union play like absolute dog shit and get bounced in the first round of the playoffs.